This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Do you have weak, damaged hair? New Garnier Fructis hair filler systems fill hair with strength seven layers deep. In just one use, you can reverse up to one year of damage to hair smoothness. The sulfate-free hair filler plus vitamin CG system gives you up to 79% stronger hair and up to four times less breakage. New Garnier Fructis hair filler is available now on Amazon and at Walmart, Target, Ulta, Drug, and select grocery stores. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 154. This week, cookie writer Adam spends a day in the East Sussex countryside with Nick Weston of Hunter Gather Cook, learning some back to nature skills. They have an in-depth chat about why cooking over fire, hunting and butchery have become popular again and Nick gives us some great foraging tips, including when the best time of year is for gathering wild grub. Uh, Hey guys, Uh, I am actually in the forest in Sussex with Nick Weston, who is Hunter Gather Kick, Cook even, sorry. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Uh, I have just had a smoked, applewood smoked... Whiskey uh, sour. Whiskey sour, so... uh, Please uh, forgive me if we uh, slow our words slightly. Uh, only joking, of course. Um, so you're just releasing your uh, cookbook, um, which sort of details everything that you guys do down here. Um, I was wondering if you could just tell us a bit about how you got uh, started, really. Um, so the way that Hunter Gather Cook started, I mean, it's, it's grown incredibly organically. I think we, I started about eight years ago, and it was kind of after having lived in a treehouse for about seven months uh, and living off the land and having a small veg patch and just cooking with fire. So it's sort of, um, it was one of those things that I think I had a few people ask me about whether I actually kind of taught people this sort of thing. So um, it was kind of then, I suppose the seed was planted and I was like, actually, maybe I could make something of this. Um, uh, and so with my background in cooking, it was kind of, it, it, it started off being quite, you know, there was quite a lot of elements in bushcraft, uh, of bushcraft to begin with, but then uh, it became very food focused very quickly so yeah. it's about kind of in getting people hands-on butchering game birds rabbits 
um, deer, uh, obviously bringing the foraged element, teaching them about that, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, showing them kind of how to cook over fire, different fire cookery techniques, and then bring it all together on the plate. Yeah. Um, so just as a little recap, um, Nick uh, basically has a big tree house in the uh, forest and uh, he teaches people um, how to uh, forage, how to gut, skin, break down uh, animal like game birds, like wild food. Um, and then he and him and his team cook it very deliciously for everyone and for me, like I've just eaten. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that the team are definitely a core part of the whole thing. I mean, we're, we're very lucky that to be cooking in, in an environment like this um so it's actually quite easy we to actually get chefs coming you know, from, from all sorts of places we've had people from river cottage we have people from noma we have people from um french uh, was it um quality chop house all these different kind of nice london restaurants um and i mean that's the thing we we only actually employ chefs because then uh, we can teach them everything else but mm -hmm. teaching people how to cook from scratch can be a bit challenging so yeah. having having guys that know what they're doing straight away uh, mm -hmm. makes life easier yeah absolutely and like what 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 do you think has made that trend of like getting outdoors and wanting to learn more about all these things like why do you think that is has become so popular recently um i think i think people just i, I mean that's the thing nowadays people really kind of want rather than stuff they want experiences they want to kind of learn about things and do different things and i think uh a lot of people kind of with this i mean because because it's very kind of experiential it's course based they're obviously learning taking away skills and knowledge that they can then use um uh, obviously on on their own at home or when they're out and about but i think it's that kind of i mean i, I don't massively like the term can reconnecting with nature mm. but to a certain degree, uh, I, I think that's kind of what it is. I think people, you know, to get out in an environment that they're not used to and, and spend the day in it and doing stuff in it is is really good. Yeah, I think it's, uh, someone was talking earlier about like sort of slowing down and mm. uh, like in our life, it kind of, you know, you can get an Amazon package like the next day or whatever, yeah. you know, and like everything's at a click of a button and this is kind of, you know, it's 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 just like re pressing the reset button almost. Like mm. you know, everyone's got their phones and it's taking like amazing pictures, but a lot of it is like uh, primitive almost. Like you know, we've been doing it for thousands of years, and I think there's there is like a something really nice about that. Yeah, no, I think definitely. I think uh, I mean down here, you kind of reception disappears pretty quickly, um, but you find that in summer, as soon as the leaves come on the trees you know, 3G goes. Yeah. Um, some of the guys in the kitchen get like, oh, I can't Instagram that. This doesn't work. I was like, do it when you get home. Yeah, yeah. Surely um, just, just wait and do it later. Exactly. Um, but no, I think it's nice for people as well. I mean, but it, it's funny you get people on courses, they're like, oh, I haven't got any reception. It's just like, that's a good thing. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's nice to kind of not have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think for me, certainly, it's probably not great for business, but when I'm d working down here during the week, you know, you kind of, you get an email and you get a second email yeah yeah and then a third email and you're like oh okay probably should respond to that <laughs> yeah um, yeah but you know that's the nature of what we do you know we're not we're not office based mm -hmm. um and everything you do here is like highly seasonal isn't it so um i was just wondering what your favorite season is or what like do you have like a, a season that you really look forward to or like wild garlic coming into season or any of those um i i do I do really look forward to truffle season because mm. um, obviously B, um, my little dog, she's a truffle dog. And it's it's one of those things that it is like finding buried treasure. And I'm certainly when you get into truffle hunting, picking nettles, never going to have the same joy about it. <laughs> Definitely um, not. So 
so yeah, I think I think I do like beginning of August when truffle season kicks in is always quite good. Um, but I, they're all the same, really. I mean, because you, you get different things coming at different points, and every season brings its own like bounty of of new stuff, and mm. you kind of really look forward to that time when something you haven't used for a while, um, you know, comes back in. I mean, even today, you know, cooking the pheasant bird lollies, obviously. You know, they were from, you know, frozen down in January. Mm -hmm. So we haven't done it for a while. But, you know, the guys in the kitchen are like, oh, it's cooking with pheasant. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you always do look forward to those things coming back in. And um, I certainly with game season, that is a big one for us. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we always look forward to 1st of September when the first partridge come in. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you do much shooting and uh, hunting yourself? Not as much as I used to. <laughs> Um, uh, I think that's the thing when you turn something that's kind of like your hobbies into a business, um, mm. you kind of start off being like, oh yeah, uh, I'm going to be able to do loads of this. But, uh, as it's got busier and busier, um, and there's more stuff to do, um, not as much, but I mean, I think for me, my kind of real passion is fly fishing. So I, I tend to go and do that if I do get the chance. Um, uh, and it means you don't have to get up crack of dawn like you do with deer stalking yeah so yeah, um, so yeah it's it's uh yeah when i get the chance i do definitely yeah i think that's fair enough um if like if, if someone was to buy your book how would be the best way to get a little bit more hunter gather cook like what would be a really like intro way of of just reconnecting a little bit or utilizing something that's around you well i think i mean the first thing really is i mean the first two things definitely fire cookery and then obviously the foraging those are the most kind of accessible bits of it um i mean with a lot of the things that are in the book it's not like we're kind of reinventing the wheel um there are a lot of old tried and tested techniques uh things that we've learned throughout the years um but i think it's uh yeah even in your back garden you don't have to have a barbecue you can just dig up a square of turf um and have a little fire put some bricks down i mean at home i have a plethora of ridiculous barbecues uh i don't use them all that much yeah. um, it's just mainly through uh different brands we've worked with um they always give you those nice wish lists um but my favorite way of cooking is just to have like a, a little square turf with a few bricks and a grill and just cook stuff up in the garden um but obviously the foraging is a really kind of something you can jump into straight away mm -hmm. you can forage in kind of in parks in towns you don't have to be out in the middle of the countryside um so i think those two definitely but i think for us the whole thing with the book is the butchery guides, I think, are really key because we kind of one of the things we're really passionate about is getting people into eat more game and using it more, um, uh, especially with deer, which is something that we kind mm. of specialize in. And it is there a reason why we should why we should really be eating more deer? Um, I think, I mean, first of all, it's a very healthy meat, it's mm, very, it's very lean, it's very isn't lean. It? Um, uh, quite often you have a, a lower inflammatory response to something like deer, which has had a wild life, uh, as opposed to kind of other, other types of meat, kind of like your lamb and your beef. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so it's, it's a very kind of, um, and I mean, it's free range, it's wild, it's eaten a lot of the wild plants that we actually pair with it on the plate. Um, but I think as well, I mean, just from the sort of, from a monetary perspective, game isn't expensive. Like if you go straight to source, you can be paying about a quid for a pheasant. Yeah. Um, if you know how to process it, you can fill your boots and your freezer. Like you were saying earlier, we, we broke down a hole. Uh, basically, we, we skinned um, 
are then uh, broke down into muscle groups uh, like a whole deer. You're saying that a whole that whole deer costs forty pounds, yeah. but both fillets or like a fillet would be fifty pounds each. So basically, one small muscle, well, one muscle from the animal costs fifty pounds, and the whole animal, if you if you knew what to do with it, would be forty pounds. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. The the return you can get from buying, I mean, uh, a whole fallow deer, you'd be looking at around about probably between 70 to 90 quid for something that's about 25 to 28 kilos. Mm. So you imagine the amount of meat you're going to get off that. Um, and then if you're, you know, you're using bones for stock, you're mincing it up, you can really actually get a hell of a lot of value um, from from something that um, actually doesn't cost you that much money. Um, I think we had a group was it from Waitrose down once that I think the packaging team and they did deer butchery and I checked in Waitrose how much deer was per kilo. I think it was something like £22 a kilo. So that deer uh, for them, I think by weight, I figured out it would have cost £900 if it came from Waitrose. <laughs> um, other supermarkets are available just to... Uh, yeah, yeah, We're yeah. not the BBC, but... Um, <laughs> and we talked a lot about meat, but I was wondering whether you could talk about how important uh, like the herbs and the vegetables and all those, so like, more like the gather element of Hunter Gather Cook. Um, yeah, I mean, f- for me, it's not all about meat. Um, uh, yeah, vegetables play just as much as a role as do kind of the wild plants we use. They're all kind of equal. Um, I just, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in meat and two veg. Um, uh, I think you, it's nice to have all of those things come together. I mean, the way that a lot of our dishes work is that we start with what's in season in terms of game. Um, and then we kind of see what else kind of veg is in season and wild plants. Um, so we're very, we work very tightly with seasons. I think more so than, uh, most restaurants would um, because I mean we're, we're actually out there we're foraging everything ourselves not necessarily hunting everything ourselves um, but I mean you know the the kind of uh, planning for a, a course and using kind of different ferment stuff like that you know that starts maybe a week or two before the actual course starts mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's I think the, the role of sort of foraging um, uh, in what we do is a large part of it um, for me I really enjoy the butchery element of it and teaching people that but um but i think yeah the different things you can do with veg from fermenting it to and even wild plants fermenting it pickling it um drying it all these different things i think are really play a key role i think in what we do down here and yeah for me it was like really cool to see how much how many edible plants are available to us it's just knowing or tapping into like knowing what they are or you know and they are they are pretty much everywhere um we just you just need to be able to look out for the right ones that's the thing i think once you well i think like you said earlier on one, with the three corner leak once you've seen it and you know what it is you then start seeing it everywhere yeah um and i mean that's the thing to kind of look at you know the, the woods fields and meadows as a kind of supermarket in that sense um yeah you could you're just walking down the aisles going oh have some bit of that, that. Yeah, have yeah. A bit of that yeah um, I mean, we we went and picked like a whole bunch of salad leaves earlier, mm. um, which was for our lunch, which was really cool. So we collected like sorrel, three-cornered leek, yarrow. Um, yeah, and they're all delicious in their own right, but added together into a salad. It was like this herbal, sour, like everything had mm. their own little characteristic. That's the thing. So, I mean, you know, even with like a forage salad, you know, you've got kind of, you've got big flavors in there. Um you know, that have, like you say, their own characteristics. Um, uh, and I think, you know, they're more exciting than your standard salad leaf that you might buy. Um, but, you know, we're not completely kind of, uh, we're not so kind of 
tied to, to just like a fully foraged meal. Obviously, we want to bring in more common ingredients from a larder or uh, perspective, or obviously from from veg and things like that, and fruit. So it's um, it's quite nice to then kind of pair those things with wild plants as well. And you also lived in your treehouse for seven months. Yeah, that was uh, back in two thousand nine, I think. Um, which was kind of just something I wanted to do for myself. Um, mm-hmm. It did then become a book called The Treehouse Diaries, I think which was published in 2010. Uh, so doing the cookbook wasn't my first rodeo, but yeah. it was um, definitely more challenging, uh, I think, doing a cookbook. Um, I do find it quite hard with the writing perspective because it's um, I'm quite dyslexic. But, um, uh, but yeah, so that was a little bit of a struggle, but, yeah. um, uh, but yeah, I think yeah, the, with the treehouse, it was kind of, it was the precursor to this. So it f- kind of formed the ethos and the basis and, uh, understanding of what we now do. Um, so to, I think, turn, I think an experience like that into something that you can share with other people, yeah. um, and obviously teach them stuff as well, uh, is a really nice thing. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that when I did, live in that treehouse for months it's not it's not one of those things i sat on the balcony going oh in like 10 years time i'll have a foraging cookery school Mm. uh where we'll do all these different things um and uh and you know be having a second site and things so it's kind of it's one of those things you know it's quite nice to not necessarily know what's going to happen but just let things shape themselves and uh and grow naturally yeah and how much did you have to teach yourself um during that time or did uh, you have like some basis of knowledge and it was like or was it basically just learning um, seven months of just making it, it was kind of seven months of learning it was quite a steep learning curve because i mean I, I did have a good i mean I, i've always done a lot of hunting and fishing so i was kind of quite confident in my ability to provide myself with those things mm. um but yeah the foraging i had quite a good basic level of knowledge i knew quite a few plants and what i could eat but throughout that whole uh seven months you know you're kind of you're relying on these wild plants or wild food to actually sustain you so um you quickly learn to identify things and you do a lot of research um a lot of tasting and playing Mm -hmm. around with different plants so it's sort of very much um yeah it was it was it was an education i think definitely um but a very valuable one uh i think especially considering what we do now um so uh so yeah it was it was quite hard work yeah no i can imagine it would be um did you eat anything that you shouldn't have done or uh were you did you have your guidebook out checking everything before you no i think i did i think the only thing i did find was uh some books aren't always accurate when mm. it comes to like referencing uh and there's one mushroom book which i won't name that had a picture of uh, a tawny grisette um uh instead of a i think death cap so they'd put this picture of this edible mushroom for death cap so that straight away because of that one mistake made me go i don't know if i'm going to eat this tawny grisette which i'm pretty sure it is <laughs> because of that so it's one of, you know healthy sense of caution is always important yeah um uh but no i think yeah uh if that's that's the kind of general if you're not 100 percent sure just don't bother eating it um i think as a wise man said everything is edible once yes quite right i think on that wise words i think we'll end uh, our little chat but um thank you very much for uh, joining me thanks very much for having me down for the day i've had a really really great Pleasure. day genuinely well, thank you for coming it's been it's been good having you and, and definitely had the weather for it yeah we definitely did it is beautiful out here anyway thanks guys brilliant cheers 
So that was Yellow Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our May issue now on the newsstand or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. Thank you.